Bishop Caggiano is joined today by Father Dave Pavanka, the president of Franciscan University at Steubenville. Franciscan has been a beacon for Catholic education here in the U.S. for several decades now, and Father Dave is doing an incredible job of rocketing the university forward and growing in many ways. You're listening to Let Me Be Frank on your radio at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM and on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at veritascatholic.com. And Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong faith formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad, the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. All right, here we go. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I am Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, good to see you, my friend. Happy Easter. Thank you, Excellency. Happy Easter to you, too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really excited because uh, we've got a special guest on with us today, Excellency, as you know. And um, uh, we have on with us the president of the school where my oldest son goes. (laughs) Oh, now? Yes. Oh, so we could talk about your son and how he's doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll get into his grades and all that stuff. Uh, but um, we have with us Father Dave Pavanka. Father Dave Pavanka, T.O.R., was ordained a priest with the Franciscan Friars of the Third Order Regular in 1996, and he has been president of Franciscan University of Steubenville since 2019. And Father Dave is a well-known Catholic speaker and author and is really well educated. He mm-hmm. received his bachelor's from Franciscan University, and then he earned a master of divinity, a master of theology, a doctorate in education, and an executive juris doctorate. And Father Dave is the host of the video series, The Ministry of the Wild Goose, is author of several books, uh, including most recently, Living Metanoia, Finding Freedom and Fulfillment in Christ. And Father Dave, it is great having you on with us today on Let Me Be Frank. It's absolutely my pleasure. Uh, just so that we get your son off the hook, there will be no discussion of his grades. <laughs> right. uh, well, then it was nice to have you on the show. Okay, next topic. Next you guest. Wanted, you wanted an inside scoop. I see how this works. Yeah. No, that's oh, it's a, okay. it's a good point. Bishop, thank you so much. It's a, just a really a blessing. As you may or may not know, I've been a real admirer of yours. So to be able to be spend some time with you is a great blessing. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I'm delighted that you're here. And, and you know, to start our conversation, there may be people who listen to this podcast who have never heard of Franciscan University. So why don't you give us a bit of the background? Give us the, the elevator speech on Franciscan. What, what should yeah. people know? Well, thank you so much, Bishop. I appreciate it. Well, we're actually, we're celebrating our 75th anniversary this year, which is a great blessing uh, Franciscan University was started by the, the Third Order Regular Franciscans. Uh, for those of you, maybe a bird's eye view of that, St. Francis started three different orders. The first order is the OFMs, the second order is Port Clairs, and then us. Uh, I like to say it took him three times to get it right, but not everybody necessarily agrees with that. Uh, so the university has been here for about, again, for 75 years, and it was really uh, founded to be able to reach out and minister to the people in the Steel Mill Valley of Ohio. And We've been a part of the Steubenville community for 75 years. Uh, liberal arts education, 
But I think one of the things that I'm just terribly proud of is the university takes very serious the responsibility to train young women, young men and women in over 45 different areas of, of professions and opportunities for education and teaching and accounting and business and, and pre-med and nursing and all of those, which are, are really important. I think one of the greatest services that an institution can do to society, to a country, is to educate them well, inform them well. But we don't just form the mind and the intellect. We, as uh, St. John Paul said, uh, take very, very seriously that faith and reason illuminate one another. So we are very serious in, about the academic rigor at the university, but also very serious about the formation of the individual soul. I say time and time again, what does a profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul in the process? So an individual could have an outstanding education, but I believe that that education is lacking unless the Catholic institution engages the soul and prepares that person, yes, for a career, but also to be a saint. So we've got about 2,500 students uh, that are on campus, about a, not quite a thousand that are also online, and it's just a great blessing. This is our 75th anniversary, and again, a little bit of Franciscan theology or or uh, give you a glimpse of the life of Sam Francis. He was uh, praying in a little chapel and his life was kind of a mess and the chapel was in ruins and he heard the San Damiano cross speak to him, rebuild my church, which is falling down around you. And St. Francis began to do that uh, and come to understand that it was not just a building, but it was the church. So I like to believe that we at Francis University continue that mission that the Lord gave Francis, you know, centuries ago to continue to rebuild the church. So that's what our Kind of our theme is this year of our 75th anniversary, this invitation the Lord gives the university, me, but I think all people, honestly, Bishop, uh, to participate in the rebuilding of the church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I have to say, uh, the graduates I know from Franciscan, um, almost to the person, are on fire with the faith. They're yeah. all young, obviously, mm -hmm. and they're very enthusiastic and they're dedicated. So I'm going to ask you. Um, when you say about forming them in the faith, which is clear that you're doing it extraordinarily well, give us a sense of what you're doing that's working. Maybe if no other reason, other people can maybe reflect on it in their own sure. context and see if they could adopt it in different ways. Sure. I, I, yeah, I like to think Father Michael Scanlon, who was a president from 74 until around 2000, one of the things he said that there's there's not this great secret sauce because everybody asked him, it's like, what have you done that that is really brought about the transformation of Franciscan? And I, and I would just echo what, what he said is that a we take seriously the teaching of the church is that 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 that's something we embrace. It's not something we hide from. It's something you know our theology philosophy professors, uh, anyone involved in pastoral ministry makes an oath of fidelity to be faithful to the church. And we think that a Catholic university, as John Paul would say should be at the heart of the church. So we take that very seriously. All of our students are going to take some theology and philosophy courses. They're not going to graduate without some of those foundational courses. Again, to form the intellect as well as is the heart. Uh, but then the other is that we, again, it's not a secret sauce. We, at every opportunity, invite young people to a deeper relationship with Christ. I think we live in a world and a culture that expects less of young people. And I think we at Franciscan University invite something more to them, that, that they can live, that they actually can be a saint, that they actually can be holy, that they actually can impact the business world, the nursing world, the accounting world, the education world. So not just, I'm profoundly proud that we, we've got great youth ministers out there. One of the things that I'm, again, very proud of, last year in the United States, 13% of those ordained uh, look to Franciscan University as a significant reason why that took place in the formation. And it may not that they came here, but they came to one of our conferences 
I'm proud of that. But I'm also equally proud of the men and women that entered the business world. And, and they run a business ethically and responsibly and they care for their employees. And so that's really what we, we want is, again, to get a little bit deep in the woods in Franciscan theology, but the Third Order Franciscan, the reason Francis started the Third Order was that he believed if, if the culture and society was going to be transformed, that it had to be an internal job, that you had to be able to infiltrate the world and the culture to bring about transformation. And that's what we really see is that I think our students graduate with an understanding of a mission. The, the Lord has had a mission for them, and that is not missionary. The mission field today is it's the boardroom, it's the business room, it's the it's the classroom. So right. that we graduate our students with an understanding of that. And right. again, it's 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 encounter with Jesus. It's a deeper love of the sacrament. We just Bishop during the last week during um, Holy Week, we just had confessions one evening that that evening. And we heard there were 15 priests and we heard confessions for almost three hours. They estimated about 450 young people went to confession. The line was all the way outside the chapel across the courtyard. You present the sacraments to young people. You present it solidly in truth that looks attractive as it should be. Mm-hmm. Young people respond to that. They just do. Right. Right. Uh, just uh, another question that kind of crosses my mind. I because I was at I was on the campus. So I guess maybe it was a few years ago before COVID struck. Right. That's it where was we met. My, in my first summer here, exactly, exactly. Yes, right. And I was impressed then, and it was summertime because I presume yeah. all the student body, most of it was not there, but the the young, hospitable and welcoming, and that those two young people drove me down to the hotel. Thank God, going down the hill was fine. Going up the hill was out of the question. They were there. <laughs> they were serving with smiles. It was tremendous. Okay, now this is my question. You could tell the environment there is authentic, vibrant. Uh, faithful, loving. Have you heard over the years any of the struggles of alumni when they go back out into the world and they find that a lot of the world doesn't have those same values? How Do you have a sense of how they've supported themselves to keep yeah. the fire going? Bishop, that is, just, that, that is the, the million-dollar question that everyone wants to talk about. One of the things that we're, we've seen over about the last 10 or 15 years is students graduating and they say, you know, what are you going to do? Where are you going to work? Where are you going to live? The number, maybe, I haven't done, it's not a, you know, an accurate study, so I can't say the number one thing. But what I consistently hear is what is motivating what they're, where they're going to be is where there's Christian community, where there's Catholic community. I think that's one of the blessings that Franciscan University has. We have what's called a household system in, in residence halls and wings of the residence halls. They're small faith groups where they, I mean, they do fun things. They do intramural sports together, but they also pray together. They go to liturgy together. They go to dinner together. And, and we like to create these relationships in this community. And, and young people are looking for that. So when they're graduating, we have pockets across the country of young people that are going because they know they're going to be supported in their faith there. They know that they're going to be walking with men and women who want to have families that are open to life, that open to life, that are not going to contracept, that they can talk about that without feeling shamed or embarrassed about it. And so with that being said, I think some of the ones that struggle are the ones that don't find that, you know, that they, they think that they can go out on their own and they can do it on their own. And they need to be more intentional about looking for that. But it would be great if I could say everyone graduates and they never have another problem. That's not the case. But those that are able to find some of the support, again, not those who are during ministry, but those are just living life and being right. a faithful right. mom and dad. That's really key to them. Right. See, it, it, it's, I think it's, the, it's our co-responsibility. That is the universities, 
that are at the heart of the church, but then the rest of the body of the church to be the bridge to give these young people an opportunity for everything they've learned to for, to continue to grow, to be like leaven for renewal, right? Yeah, so absolutely. From my vantage point, looking at what you're doing, uh, then I ask myself as a bishop, well, the, where are the opportunities in the Diocese of Bridgeport where a graduate from Franciscan or other universities that are on fire, where they can get support, right? That's absolutely. That's where it works, hand in hand, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. That that they realize that people want to do this together. We want to be a mission together, um, and, and that's where you get when 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 people come together in a community and they keep their eyes on the Lord and and they do this. There's something really exciting and life giving and animating about that, and they want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting. We just opened, we talked about this in an earlier podcast, Young Catholic Professionals, the chapter mm-hmm. of Young Catholic Professionals. And it was a Saturday evening. It was in Holy Spirit in Stanford. And honestly, there had to have been a hundred, more than a hundred young adults who were there yeah. and joyful and committed. And But that's the sort of community that a graduate from Franciscan who's on fire can find the community in the larger context to keep it going, right? It is, Bishop, because, you know, so many of the, there's the there's the faith questions and, and the struggles and the journey and, you know, and walking with somebody who's suffering or walking with somebody who's had a miscarriage and all of that's important. And there's also the people who are wrestling with some of the moral issues that are taking place, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. ethical issues to run a business. I, I mean, that's fantastic. You've got that young Catholic professional program that, I mean, they're, they're forced with, ethical issues and moral issues that honestly, Bishop, we wouldn't have imagined 30 years ago. Right. So mm-hmm. that they can they can be with other people. And it's interesting, one of the one of the books I read a number of years ago was taking a look at the this young people, and this is a terribly scary statistic. Kids that graduate from high school that are active in their faith within five years, around 70% of those kids are not going to be going to church anymore. So that, that's one of the things that we take very seriously. What's taking place in the higher education that's causing that, right? That, that's causing people to lose their faith. But then the other part is um, those, those 30% that stayed, their faith stuck. What were some of the things, the common denominators and community, two things, community where they're able to gather with other people like them, but also, and this is what's important is they see generational ministry. They see somebody older than them, that they see a path forward to them. I think one of the Maybe the indictments of youth ministry within the church is we've created these small youth groups, which are important. That fellowship and relationship with other youth is important, but they also need to see somebody older than themselves, that they see a path forward to them. They can see themselves in 25 years living their faith. And that's where I think situations like that, you bring more mature, older people that can help mentor these young graduates, and and they see a path forward to them in the life of the church. All families are by definition intergenerational, right? Yes, they better be. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So that's the, the all right, so now how many Franciscans are at the university? You you mentioned 15 priests. How many are in the community altogether at Franciscan? 15, right? All of us. All oh, so of all of us. So you have 15. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 15 that's tremendous. Friars. Yeah, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. We've got 15 yeah. friars. There, right? And are, vo- are vocations coming? They are. Thank the Lord. Yeah, we have, you know, you know through the university, I, every year we've got some fri- some uh, young people that come and join our community. But again, that's happening all over. The, the statistic I gave for ordination is also consistent with the statistics of sisters that are taking uh, vows and joining religious communities. Yeah. So I was just walking uh, this afternoon and we have a group of Dominican sisters that are studying here. And there's just something really beautiful to see 
sisters walking down and, and talking to our students and, and their classmates together, right? And it's just it's just a great a great opportunity to be here. You know, may I, I'm going to ask you to to just give another commercial, if I may. Uh, the Steubenville gatherings of young people that occur. Right. Some people may not know about them. What What are they about? Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, again part of the vision of Father Mike Scanlon, who's president, uh, as I alluded earlier, is that he actually held a conference for priests in the summer of 1974, and he asked them, "What can I do for you? What can the university do?" And the priests at that time said, "Help us." minister and evangelize young people. So the next summer at the university started its first summer youth conference. And, and for many years that were just on campus. But this year, honestly, I'm not exactly sure because some of them got canceled because of COVID still, the ones in California, but we'll have around 20, 20 22 conferences across the country. We'll have 50, 60,000 young people go uh, through these conferences. Again, what's the secret sauce? Why do people come? Um, they're invited to relationship with Jesus. Uh, they're invited to the life-giving sacraments. Uh, the Saturday evening is an opportunity for them to come before the Lord in prayer and in Eucharistic adoration. It's nothing, nothing fancy about it. It's just in, in putting a, creating an environment where young people encounter Jesus and, and their lives are changed. So it's been a great ministry for, you know, for almost 50 years. Yeah. Oh, and it's made a tremendous impact. I think they're you're even at, uh, in New York City now, St. John's University. We are, we are, we are, we are. Yeah. 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 You know, I've had experience with Youth 2000. Oh, so I, it's beautiful. Isn't it? And on the Saturday evening, when there's adoration and the Lord comes in the midst of the people, really, to see the reactions of young people is just amazing. It really is honestly amazing. Yeah, the first book I wrote was actually just stories about that. In fact, some of the stories came from people, the kids that were on the Youth 2000 retreats. And it is. God does really, really wonderful, amazing things when we mm -hmm. when we take away the barriers that separate young people from the Lord. And, and it's interesting because sometimes that's messy, you know, mm -hmm. when young people are really confronted with with sometimes their family situation or their brokenness or their honesty, Bishop, their sinfulness. But they encounter the Lord who's merciful, who knows their name, who wants to be in relationship with them, even even in the midst of their mess. That's just a great, great experience oh, yeah. to be able to be a part of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now may I ask you a personal question? Sure. T tell us your vocation story. How did you get to where you are now? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because when I was a kid, I said I'd never become a priest because you have to go to me school too. for too yeah, long. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, honestly, I... The first thing is, is I'm just so grateful to my mom and my dad. I'm, my parents prayed every day of their married life that one of their boys, there were five boys in my family, would become a priest. And and honestly, Bishop, and I'm sure you could speak to this, I think there's a lot of families that that's not their prayer. That's not the parents' prayer, but it was my mom and dad's prayer. And, and they made that known, that that they they would love and be excited if one of the kids would be would, would be a priest. And, and, and I have to say, you know, that's not to say I was, I'm certainly not perfect. But the thought of being a priest was always in the back of my mind. It was just kind of always nudging at me and just, and I remember coming home actually from a date and I just walked into my mom and dad's room and just kind of plopped down on their bed and just absolutely out of the blue with no context at all. I said, I think God may be calling me to be a priest. And my mother without a moment's hesitation said, I think you might be too. It's like, oh my goodness. So Actually, I took a year off of school and spent it with a wonderful organization, the National Evangelization Teams, the NET Teams out of St. Paul, Minnesota. Just a wonderful ministry. And really, 
to get me a, a way to just be able to pray and think, and, and is this ultimately what God wanted me to do? And then it was actually there that I heard of Francis University. I've never heard of it before. And I transferred to Stumbo and ended up graduating, graduating from the university. Uh, but for me, it was, um, the scripture says, the Lord longs to fulfill the deepest desire of our hearts. And, and it took me a while to get to that place. What is that deepest desire of my heart? Not, not, not the heart that's fickle, not the heart that's, again, as a college student, has this crush on this girl. It's like, I'm called to be married because I have this crush, right? But, but that depth of my heart. Um, it took me a while to be able to get to that place. Uh, and, and one of the things that was important for me was that my mom and dad had a beautiful marriage. My, my father just passed away a few months ago, but they were married 62 years and it was just a beautiful marriage. So I never did this because I didn't want to be married because I didn't see the beauty of marriage because I did. And in some ways that was hard for me. Like one of the friars explained to me that discernment is always between two goods. So if, you know, it's married life is a good, religious life is a good. So to say yes to a good means you have to say no to a good. And, and that was, I had to wrestle with that to say no to something really, really beautiful. There was, a, there was kind of a dying. I don't know if that was your experience, Bishop, but there was kind of a dying to that. And I had to wrestle like, well, does this mean that's not what God's calling me to? Well, no, not at all. Not at all. Right. You know, when I reflect back now on my life, I absolutely agree. I think that there has to be a live choice and discernment. Priesthood can never be a default, mm -hmm. right? Because if it's a default, then we're going to have major problems. Yeah. Or as my spiritual director has said to me when I was younger, and I've mentioned this before, if you look at a priest and say, this man could not, this man could never have been a good husband and a good father, I could guarantee you he's not going to be a good priest. You've got a problem. I agree, Bishop. Yeah. Right. Well, when I look back now that I'm kind of like, I, I joke about being early old age, but I mean, I'm 63 years old. So, I mean, there's more life past me than coming. Right. When I look at my little great niece and great nephew and, and almost have a relationship of being grandchildren, there is a part of my of my heart that says, I wonder what it would have been like to have my own children yeah. and then see them have grand like children and stuff. Now, I have literally. One could say thousands and thousands of children, <laughs> but but I don't have any regrets because Bishop, I do have that, those other relationships. Hmm? Wasn't that interesting for you, if you don't mind me asking? Like I oh. I, I worked at the university and I was I was the young priest, right? So, but when I came back, um, there was much more of a fatherly role. You know, the, the students now they could be my kids. They really, you know, of the age. And and I just rejoice in that. I just I love that the father and and. I'm sure that was your experience as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I could see why priests in general value youth ministry and young adult ministry so much. It's because there really is, we could exercise our fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood, in a very particular way when it's a healthy, mature relationship right. with, the, with those individuals, right? With young right. children, young adults, teenagers. Yeah, to, for all those points. Because in a sense... You know, we are unit. We have a unitive and procreative relationship with Christ through the church, and the procreation comes from the life-giving relationships the Lord allows us to have, and we respond by giving ourselves to. Mm -hmm. So, even though we don't have physical children, we have spiritual children. In that sense, that is, in many ways, as powerful, even perhaps more powerful. Right? Yeah, I, I heard uh, John Bergsman teaches here at the university. And he was talking about his fatherhood and his fatherhood came from a relationship with his wife. But he said the priest's fatherhood, come, the power is just in the word that 
by the word he begets children. And I thought that was just such a beautiful, and obviously that's the word becomes flesh, right? But I just thought that was beautiful, beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely. And you never had any questions about being a Franciscan, I guess. That was uh, from the get-go? Yeah, that's, I'm sorry, Bishop. Yeah, uh, that's, yes. Um, I think maybe because I have four brothers, the the thought of being a religious was always kind of, yeah, I, I just sense that that's where the right. Lord wanted me to be. So to be with brothers that kick me in the tail every now and then and and right. allow me to, uh, so yeah, I, and, and as be the case with a married couple, I suppose, um, I love my brothers and sometimes they just drive me crazy. Um, oh, well. But, but ultimately that's, I think, mm. what's going to make me holy. I hope. I hope. You know, Father Dave, what an interesting insight I had never thought of. Mm. Now I have to think about it, reflect on it. Your experience of your natural brothers giving that openness to having religious brothers is, I had never heard that before until you just well, mentioned it in that, well, it, that concisely. And it's interesting, Bishop, you can tell guys in the community that had come from small families and a larger community. And because a larger f- community, larger uh, family, yeah, you, you have to you have to share, you have to do things like so you can really tell the individuals that come from a larger family. It's interesting. So now I only have one older sister. So now you know why I'm a diocesan priest, right? <laughs> that settled that mystery. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but it's, well, it's been a great blessing. So, Father Dave, when we come back from the break, I think we're having a break in a, in a, in a few seconds. Wild Goose. What is it? The Ministry of the Wild Goose? I want to hear great. about this. Yeah, I really looked forward to it. Yeah, very much. Okay. That's a good teaser for the next segment. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. His Excellency is speaking today with Father Dave Pavanka, President of Franciscan University at Steubenville. And we will be right back with more of their fantastic conversation. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. Today we on the show we have Father Dave Pavanka, who is the president of Franciscan University at Steubenville. And um, I will throw it back to you, Excellency. All right, so Father Dave, 
I always thought wild goose you drank. Tell me what wild goose ministry is. <laughs> no, 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 Bishop. That's great. That's gray goose. Gray goose. Oh, gray goose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, so I I had written a book uh, a number of years ago now. I guess five about five years ago, and the name of the book was Breath of God. And and honestly, I was just I was traveling at the time. I was doing full time mendicant preaching and. Um, I've, I, in some ways, I've, I've had a special relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, I be, when I tell the story, it's, I think the first time I really experienced the Holy Spirit, I was about five years old, and we were on a camping trip, and it, there wasn't anything religious about it, but I was by a fire and looking at the stars, and just the imme- a little kid, the immensity of this, and, and honestly, Bishop, I just encountered the Lord in that, in that experience, and, and there was this, God was real. You know, again, I was five years old. I was 1970. I was five years old. Um, but, but maybe because of that, and again, a wonderful mom and dad, faithful Catholics, that, that the relationship with the Holy Spirit was something that was important to me. So I wrote the book called Breath of God. And in, in the end of John, you have Jesus uh, comes to the upper room and the apostles are scared and the doors are locked. Uh, and Jesus meets them and he says, peace, which is such a beautiful, beautiful statement in the midst of their fear. And then he breathes on them, that breath of God. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So what I did is I just, I write this book talking about ultimately what I think uh, the, the, and it's, I did not come up with this. John Paul, Benedict and Francis have all spoken about the need for a new Pentecost. And, and this, this forgotten person of the Trinity, I always tell a joke when I'm giving a talk, knock, knock, who's there? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who that's the problem, right? It is that we live in the world that, that maybe has an understanding of who Jesus is, the Father, but the Holy Spirit is the forgotten person of the Trinity. So I wrote this book, and then I was talking with some friends of mine that were starting a media company. And I just felt that we needed to get something visually out there. We've got, you know, but young people, honestly, you're not necessarily going to go buy a book on the Holy Spirit. So we, we basically took the context of this book and we created a 14-part video series uh, that we chose called The Wild Goose. And The Wild Goose was uh, the ancient term for the Holy Spirit that the Celts used. Um, there was a, a wildness to the Spirit of God that, that they were age, actually able to grasp. Uh, one of the things that, that Pope Francis said fairly early on in his pontificate, um, he was talking about the Holy Spirit and there's a wildness to the Holy Spirit. And he said, we ought not try to tame the Holy Spirit, right? So when we think of images of the Holy Spirit with the dove and the dove, is, it's nice, but it's honestly, we put the dove in the cage and it's nice as long as it stays there or a fire, right? We like the image of the fire of the Holy Spirit until the fire becomes a raging fire and then we want to get it under control. Well, I think that's part of the problem is that the Spirit should be controlling us, not us controlling the Spirit. So I just take a look at what does it look like to live a life of the Holy Spirit. I love the catechism when speaking about baptism. It says in baptism, it is the gateway. I love that image of a gateway uh, to a life in the Holy Spirit. So I just talk about what does that look like? What does a life in the Holy Spirit look like? So tell us, what does a life in the Holy Spirit look like? Tell us. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. It, it looks, well, first off, for a moment, what it doesn't look like. It's not static. It's not stale. Um, a life in the Holy Spirit is vibrant. It's alive. It's passionate. It's joyful. It's merciful. It's faithful. Um, this is... This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the animator. And, 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 and this is self-evident, right? But it's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God wants to make 
us wholly. And, and where I think that, that we've missed it is, in, in a, good, a friend of yours, I'm sure, Bishop Sam Jacobs uh, down in Houma, Louisiana. Bishop always says that, that we need to understand that the, whole, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, wants to have a relationship with us. That we, we know what it is to have a relationship with the Father or the Son, but a relationship with the Spirit. Again, I love what Pope Francis says. He said, the greatest gift of the Spirit, and we think about the various gifts of the Holy Spirit, the Old Testament gifts, the New Testament gifts, but the Holy Father reminds us the greatest gift of the Spirit is his, the Spirit himself. That, that in baptism, God gives his very Spirit. I love in Romans, it says um, that the, the Spirit is poured forth into our hearts, right? And, and that Spirit should, should be an animating Spirit. You know, it's it's one of the things at the beginning of, of Pope Francis's pontificate, he spoke about the, the Catholic, he used the word sourpuss in the gospel joy, in, in the encyclical joy of the gospel. He said, we Catholic ought not look like they're always coming back from a funeral. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It wants to animate and bring life that that this, this Christian Catholic life actually is attractive and people want to be a part of that. Absolutely. And the other thing, it's, and therefore it's courageous and it's bold and yes. it's imaginative. And yes, it's yes, yes. It's imaginative. Yes, yes, yes. Right, exactly. And yeah. I think that's part of the difficulty of engaging young adults. Because young adults, when they become in, 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 inflamed, if I could put that, with the, with the graces of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they many times run into the roadblocks that the institutional portion of who we are always kind of gets in the way. Right, right. Right. And those two things go together, the hierarchical church and the charismatic church. And, and when I use the word charismatic, I'm not talking about a movement. The church speaks of her. She is in her very nature charismatic. Well, those two things are their attention and they're a blessing to each other. I mean, we need both of them. You know, a hierarchical right. church without the breath of God is a museum, I think John Paul would right. say. Right. But the, you know, the, the charismatic without the hierarchy is it can, can lead to extreme or. Right. So both of those things have got to come together. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I'm paraphrasing here, one of the, the sayings of uh, St. John the 23rd, which I thought is just so apt and so beautiful, is he said, I'm not a curator of a museum, I'm a gardener. Ooh, and I'm yeah. sowing seeds, right? And then the yeah. Lord allows them to grow, but the power of the growth comes from the Holy Spirit. So now mm. I've been asked this question many times, oh. and I've kind of, I've tried to give an answer that's coherent. But given your experience and your ministry, if if a person came up to you and said, how do I discern the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life? How do I discern spirit, the spirits? So mm -hmm. I understand that this is really the Holy Spirit moving me this way and not being deceived in some way. What practical advice can you give our listeners when you yeah. discern the presence of the spirit? Yeah, I guess... The, the first thing that comes to my mind is like on, in an individual moment or in our life. And I guess what, what I, I say is, first off, um, just the fact that you, you would ask the question, how do I discern the will of God in my life or how I discern how God is moving? That in itself is a, is a rich, beautiful faith statement, because there's a population of people that don't even believe that the spirit of God wants to speak or that the God wants to to move them in their life. So the fact that you're actually listening and, and raising the question that maybe God is inviting you something is very important. I mean, there's a couple of things that are really important. First off, God is never going to ask us to do something that's against his will. I mean, it's against the teaching of the church. So if you sense that the Lord is asking you to do, I don't know, rob a bank, or whatever, well, I'm pretty sure he's not. 
so is it consistent with the teaching of the church? You know, is it consistent with the revelation that we have in scripture? I think those are a couple of important tells. Uh, is it consistent with your state of life? You know, if my mother came 40 years ago and said she's pretty sure she's called to run off and go to the circus. Well, that's not very consistent with her life, state of life because my mom is a mother and sick. So is it consistent with that? But then the other is that ultimately we come to discern the Lord's will, I think ultimately by peace. Is, is that there's a peace that, that when we, we sense something, and we use language, Bishop, and I think we who are in the profession of religion, we use language sometimes that isn't very helpful. You know, the Lord said to me, well, what does that mean, right? Do you hear that? <laughs> right. But, but I do, like, I believe that the Lord does speak to me. And, and, and the image that I use that if, if my mom were to call me, I don't have to look at the, the number on the phone. I know my mom's voice. I know my dad's voice. Mm -hmm. so, so we begin to, to become familiar with that voice. So we sense mm -hmm. the Lord is inviting us to do something. We do it, and that voice becomes familiar. But ultimately, it's, a, it's about a peace. But the other part of this, Bishop, that I think is important, too, is if we pay attention to the, the text in the 13th chapter of Corinthians, and it talks about it's obviously the chapter of love. But Paul talks about knowledge, knowledge being imperfect, our hearing being imperfect, that, that I think some people are so afraid of, I don't want to get it wrong, that they don't move, they don't do anything. And I just don't think God's up there saying, oh, that's, I know you were trying to do what I wanted, and I know you wanted to be faithful, but that's not it, so you're now punished. I just don't think that that's what the Lord works, is, is to the best that we do to try to be faithful to the Lord, to try to respond to his grace, to try to do what he asked us to do. I think the Lord delights in that. I think it was Catherine of Siena, maybe, who said the, the Lord, um, he delights in our desire to do his will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I may, I, that's excellent. That is excellent. And if I may, I'm going to add just two other elements and feel free to critique them or edit them if you wish, because um, ultimately we're, we're speaking about a great mystery. But yeah. I think uh, I, I recently had a retreat with the principals of our diocese and I spoke to them about cultivating an attitude and intuition of prayerfulness. Not prayer. And not prayers, but prayerfulness. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Right. So you attune your mind and your eyes and your and and your thought process to try to discern, to recognize God's presence everywhere you are at every moment of every day. So I said to them, for example, people say there's luck and there's coincidence and good fortune. I said, but there is no luck, coincidence, good. There's no such thing. There's only providence, grace, and the presence of God mm -hmm. that you have to see. So in some way, I think. When a person wants to come to discern the Lord's presence, it is easier to have the intuition, and it's an intuition at times, when you have worked on training yourself right. to consciously Absolutely. see him all the time. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely, Bishop. Absolutely. I mean, that's perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think our young people just need uh, encouragement because unlike like when I grew up, they have a lot more distraction simply the, the the technological digital platform is so has so much information they can be so easily overwhelmed and become very arid and very distracted that it becomes very hard to do what I just said. Yeah, right? and, the, and their world is so loud to hear as we hear in the you know the scripture mm -hmm. that that still small silent voice and there's so many competing interests in their world in their life right now to actually step away from that and be quiet and still. But one thing that you love, Bishop, is that, is that listening to the Lord, I, sometimes I think we, we like, it's something out there that I need to do, but it's, it's our day-to-day -day life. And 
And the more we become familiar with that, then it allows us to be in a situation that we're, we're able to see. I love Jesus. And this is really important. Jesus says, I can only do that which I see the Father doing. Well, Jesus was always looking for the Father in, in, in this situation. And that the more that we're able to do that, I think mm-hmm. yeah, we're able to do that. Yeah. Right. Do you still preach around the country? Is that part of your ministry still? or It, it is to some degree. Schedule at the university uh, limits that a bit. But, you know, I'm very blessed to be at the university. and We've got five masses a day on campus, so I get to do a, a lot of preaching here. But um, I... I about once a month, I'm able to take outside invitations to some things like that. And I really, I really love and enjoy to be able to do that. Yeah. No, I can imagine you'd be very good at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's go back to this question of, of, and forgive me, I keep referring to young adults because not only is it a, is a burning passion for me to engage them, but because I think Steuben Bill is doing a great job at engaging them. Yeah, thank you. Is for you, what advice would you give me as a bishop? in my ministry? This is a loaded question. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But what would you, what, and if the, all the bishops, but forget all the bishops, I'm just, sure, sure, sure. just me, uh, as a person who knows you. Um, yeah. What what advice, what practical advice would you would you give me to try to build on what you're doing, really, is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, in some ways, uh, I appreciated that generally the bishops because just, again, we met just for the first time a couple of years ago, and you were so kind and gracious to me. Um, so I paid attention more to you uh, than you have to me, but but you doing it right. You know, every, everybody I talk to speaks about you doing it right. And so the first thing that came to my mind, what advice would I give to see them, to literally see them, to notice them? And you obviously do that. You're, you're spending time with them. You're noticing them. You're listening to their story. You're listening to their questions. I, I just did an interview with a, a priest from Washington, D.C. this morning, and and that was one of the things he said is we've lost the ability to listen, right? We're always, even those of us who are, you know, I, I don't consider myself a great apologetics, a great apologetics, but oftentimes people, they want to just talk somebody into their way of thinking and, and, and desire for them to come to the truth, of course. But a, a good bishop has to listen. A good bishop has to be able to be with his, his people. And as the Holy Father said, to smell like his sheep. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> well, here's advice. Uh, get out of the chancery and, and go oh to, yes and, yes and go, and go to a I coffee have house and go to a coffee house and go to a pub oh. and and be with them and and listen to their story and yeah yeah i mean that's that's great advice and and i think like everything else like being the university president the demands sometimes prevent you from doing some of the things you would want to do but i think in the end that makes perfect sense for everyone and that's true bishop it's true, but let me just say that, like you schedule it yesterday, this is not any big deal, but yesterday I spent an hour and I made pizzas in the cafeteria for the students. We scheduled it, you know, it may have looked like it was, but we scheduled it. And for an hour, I did the little big, big long stick in the pizza oven and I gave pizza to the kids and, and talked to them and listened to them. And and for them, it was just great that Father Dave stopped by. Well, we'd scheduled that months in advance. It's not like it just happened. But if it's something that's important and priority, we make time for it. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's what, again, it's easy for me to tell you to take control of your schedule because I know your life is not your own. But to be able to surround yourself with people that recognize that it's important for you or for whoever bishop. Uh, Joe Bishop Joe Espiot in was just ordained bishop in. Actually, oh, you were there. You were there. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, was yeah. Trem- he's tremendous. He is. But uh, he was 
going to help us with the conferences this summer. He was going to do a couple of them. He's only going to be able to do one. But he goes, he goes, I thought my life wasn't my own as a priest, but my goodness, my life is not my own as a bishop. And, and I get that bishop. So, yeah, no, no. But but nonetheless, it that's the the emptying, right? So right, you right. so a, a white a, a woman married to a man empties herself. A man married to a woman empties himself. And we empty ourselves in service to the people we love. It's the same yes, idea. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, and yeah. in, in you're aware, I'm sure that that is so Franciscan, that, that kenotic, that kenosis, that self-emptying is, right. is right. so Right, so Father Dave, t- talk to us about Easter. What do you want us to know about Easter? That the tomb was empty. Anything Amen. else? Amen. <laughs> you know, it's, honestly, Bishop, I had an opportunity a number of years ago with my mom and my dad. Uh, we were in the Holy Land. I was leading a pilgrimage, and they were able to join us. So we were able to go to the tomb they allow like two or three masses early in the morning. So mass, I think was at 515, just the three of us in the tomb. And, and I just reflect on that, that, you know, you go there and you, you, I'm sure you've been, you kind of have to kind of crawl to get into the tomb and you have mass there and there's nothing there, you know, and that's just, it's, we all know that it's so self-evident, but, but the fact that there are no bones that we go, that we can um, pray to or on, but so yeah, that the tomb was empty and, and there's reason for you. You mentioned earlier that the, the, the power of, of the gospel and the power that Jesus has that, that this reality that that's not just an experience in the past. It's not just something you've heard stories about, but it's something to be experienced today that, that it makes a difference in my life today that that tomb is empty. Right. And yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I just wrote an op-ed piece, which um, appeared in the newspapers here in Connecticut and um and they're very gracious to allow me to do that, right? <laughs> at Christmas and Easter, at least most of them, not always, but. And um, this year when I wrote it, it had a very different approach because of the inescapable situations, the horrible situations we're facing in the world, just in Ukraine. It just continues to go from bad to worse to even more yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. And then yeah. you say to yourself, okay, the Lord's victory over sin and death, over suffering. But then where are the signs of Easter there? Or the recent attack in Brooklyn. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times on 36th Street and 4th Avenue on the N train as a high schooler, I stood on that subway platform. Really? I took that subway for four years uh, going to Regis every single day. Yeah. And to think that 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds were shot in that subway car. Yeah. I, it, that could have been me yeah. when I was a young, right? So you say, where are the signs of Easter? And then I think to myself, and this is what I wrote. I said, well, they are there if you look, mm-hmm. right? Because in the midst of all the suffering, you see uh, acts of heroic valor yeah. and self-sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. Or on the subway, you know, nameless people being helped by other nameless people. And they have these moments of, of assistance. And, and so it, 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 Easter is there when we bring it into the situation. It's for us yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, Bishop, that's exactly what, what I was seeing when you were talking about the Ukraine. Um, Franciscan University, we have a study abroad program, and we've got a small campus in Gaming, Austria, which is right between Vienna and Salzburg. And it's just a beautiful piece of property. It was a Carthusian monastery built in 1342. It's just gorgeous. Well, because of COVID this year, we've got some extra space in, in this facility. And about three weeks ago, we took in 42 uh, refugees from Ukraine. 
uh, mothers and kids. And where is Easter? Easter is there. Easter is these little kids come to a place where they can play, that they can be kids, where they're safe, where the moms don't have to worry about. I mean, obviously, we it'd be nice if we could say we took away all of their worries. I mean, their husbands, literally, all of their husbands are back in the Ukraine. So there's still tremendous pain and there's still tremendous. But but the fact that that they've got a safe place to sleep, the fact that we're feeding them three meals a day, the fact that our students are literally taking their kids for walks along the stream. I mean, I mean that I don't want to trivialize that. That's that's Easter. That's that's representing the body of Christ and caring for one another. And right. that's Easter. Right. In a sense, what dawned on me in my own spiritual reflection is there is obviously the victory the Lord effects. All right the ultimate victory over sin and death. Amen. But for anybody who is listening to this podcast, anyone who claims to, to have his name as a Christian, we are the agents that need to affect the change. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. We have the graces to bring the victory of Easter wherever we can do it with his grace. Amen. So we got, Amen. we got to get up and do something. Right. <laughs> Right, right, and live in a manner that actually says the tomb was empty. I mean, the tomb. Right. If the tomb, if the tomb, in fact, was empty, then there has to be a response to that. That's not just something we casually say. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. No, there's a response that that is our entire life has to be given to that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we're living in very interesting times. Amen. 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 But but also lot, yeah, lots of opportunity. You know, you you mentioned yeah. We we just. There is so much confusion out there, and, and we need to be able to be a light, uh, you know, by the way we live our life, but also the way we're able to articulate our faith, faith and why we believe what we believe to a world that really needs to hear it, desperately needs to hear it. You know? mm-hmm. and, and I would say for you, Bishop, I mean, you're in such a, I, I, please forgive me if this offends you, but I always say the bishop is the worst job in the world because what, what you're being asked to do, but I'm just so grateful for men like you and shepherds like you that do it with courage and with boldness um, and, and compassion and compassion. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. So, Well, no, I, I appreciate the encouragement. I, um, in, I love what I do. It's just, it's, I could, I, I'm, when I think to myself how I got here, it's just, I, I can't even, I can't even figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my sister and brothers can't. Figure out how I figure got out where here, you either. got so, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! But but I think um, I asked myself, would I have been content in a maintenance moment of just keeping things going along and finding my th- two days to go golfing and going out and all the rest? And, no, it's such and in my heart of heart, the answer is no. I would not no. have. Yeah, so you're the same, right? Kindred oh my spirit. gosh! Yes, 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 yes. I mean. Uh, being a university president isn't all, <laughs> but I can't imagine my life. It's It's been, first off, God's been so good and so close. And that's not to say that there's not difficulties and struggles, but I can't imagine my life any, anywhere else. No, not at all. I mean, yeah. not at all. Yeah. If I think of what my plan might've been compared to what the Lord's is, oh my gosh, not at all. Right. That's been pretty blessing. It is. And I think for everybody who's listening um, to, to, to really reflect on what you said about the power of the Holy Spirit and and allowing the Spirit, who is always seen by His effects, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, to be able to challenge you to to really to see 
what others do not see and to and to be creative and imaginative in addressing the opportunities we have as a church. This may be one of the most blessed moments we have had since the Council of Trent. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, no, Bishop, I think that's, I've never heard anyone say that, but I think you may be on to something. Right. Right. So, so Father Dave, keep up the great work of Francisco. Thanks. Thanks. Come visit us again, Bishop. Please. Oh, I would love to. I would love to one day. Right. So let, let's take one more break. This is Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network. Father Dave Pavanka, the president of Franciscan University of Steubenville, has been here with Bishop Caggiano today. We're going to take one break and then come back with a listener question for Bishop Frank. Be right back. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. So, Excellency, we received this email um, the pa- this past week. And so I'll read it to you. And here it says, uh, Bishop Frank, you recently gave a wonderful description of the journey that Jesus made to Calvary with the cross. I just wonder how Jesus felt. He was sent there by his father to save us. And as a young man myself, it's always important to obey your father and follow his direction. So here's the question part. It's two parts. When Jesus was on his final journey and seeing what we had done to him, do you think he felt he had succeeded and that his father's plan would work? And did he think he had done enough with the apostles to get them to continue his work? See, now that's, those are very excellent questions that lead us into an area that I I could not presume to answer in any definitive way, right? But I would say this, um, how the Lord would understand success and how we understand success are very different. His success rested in his fidelity. By being faithful, that was the success. It was for his father then to give the birth to what ultimately is now the victory over sin and death, right? So the insight of your your question about being faithful to the father was how Jesus lived, right? Always in love, complete self-sacrificial love to his father. As for the apostles, goodness gracious, all but one like bolted, (laughs) (laughs) right? But he could see, because again, like we spoke with Father Dave, there was an intuition of love. He knew who they were. And he knew, except for the one, that they would come back, right? Because their hearts were touched, even though at that moment they were very weak, right? So overall, the key, in my understanding, the key to the Lord's death was his faithful obedience to the end. And then everything else that flowed from that is the lesson you and I need to learn to be obedient to the end, to whatever God is willing for us and leave everything else in God's hands. Awesome. All right. So if you have a question for Bishop Frank, send it in to us on social media, or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So is Veritas Catholic Network. And we would like to thank Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. Foundations in Faith is committed and supported to transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work at foundationsinfaith.org. And Father Dave Pavanka, thank you so much for being with us today. Where, tell us quickly, where can listeners go to get more from you? 
Well, if they want to uh, learn about the wild goose, it's uh, the wild goose is loose.com or wild goose uh, TV. TV. Either one. Great. Thanks so much. Yeah. That is such a great name. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> it is such a great name. Father Dave, many blessings on you and your ministry. Thank you for being part of our conversation. Uh, really. Thank you so much, Bishop. My pleasure. Excellency, before we go, would you please yes. give us your blessing? Yeah, I'd be happy to, of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, joyful praise for the victory of your Son over sin and death. For the gift of the Holy Spirit that he breathed upon us that allows us to be your adopted sons and daughters. Bless us with the outpouring of your grace that we might be the faithful heralds of the good news of Christ's victory. And we ask that you bless us and all those who are listening. For we ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Steve, see you next week. Father Dave, hopefully see you soon. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.